I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Before we get to today's episode, we want to encourage you guys to get entered to win a free diesel radiator from Mishimoto. Just go to mishimoto.com forward slash radiator giveaway, or you can search the Diesel Podcast on Instagram. We've got a link right in our bio. There's no purchase necessary. You just go on, enter some basic information. The contest runs until February 28th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern, and a winner will be chosen at random after that. You'll be notified via email, and you can pick the upgraded radiator that you'd like for any diesel truck. They've got a ton of different options. On today's episode, we're going to be chatting with Kyle from Hot Shot Secret, and this episode came directly you know, from you guys, the questions you ask us on Instagram or that we see on YouTube, and it was about diesel fuel quality and how to know one, if you're getting quality fuel, and two, if you're unsure, what can you do to protect your truck? The fuel systems on diesel trucks are definitely not inexpensive to fix if you do have an issue. So we wanted to ask Kyle, what are they, you know, what, what are they seeing across the country for, for fuel quality, and what products do they offer to be able to ensure no matter what kind of fuel that you're getting, you can protect your truck and, and the injection system? All right, guys, let's get to the podcast with Kyle and chatting about diesel fuel. Kyle, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast and some more talk about diesel fuel and additives and ways that we can protect our investments or, or uh, you know, trucks we've had for a while, make sure that they stay in good operating condition. So I'm excited to have you back on the podcast today. Hey, thanks, Patrick. Glad to be back on. Appreciate it. Yeah, we were, we were chatting a little bit, you know, beforehand about diesel fuel and there's so many questions that, that people have, whether it's on... I see you know questions you guys get on the Facebook live videos that you do, or we'll see them on YouTube. And I wanted to kind of tackle, I'd say the, the general topic of diesel fuel quality and what you guys see through testing and experience of how that can vary from, you know, state to state, or even, I guess even city to city, just how much variance there is out there with the quality of diesel fuel. Absolutely. And I'll take it a step further. It varies from pump to pump. Um, you, you can test across the street and see drastic differences. So uh, that's that's really the main thing to take home is you can't really get comfortable with any one fuel provider or uh, a, a chain that you like. We see differences uh, across the board, and we do a lot of fuel sampling um, across the nation just to get, kind of get a baseline of where the fuel is nowadays. And we've seen a lot of a lot of reduction in quality fuel um, over the years, and a lot of it really comes. People often wonder how does it get there, and obviously a lot of this fuel is coming from the original uh, refinery point. But as it passes down through different fuel jobbers, uh, they they all like to kind of add their own mix to it to hopefully improve it with also spending as little bit as possible as they can uh, on the fuel. So by the time it gets to the pump there, depending on how many hands it's passed through and the quality of additives they're trying to add to it, uh, you just really never know what you're going to get. It's really a crapshoot. Is there any sort of industry standard or, or set of guidelines for how it may be treated or improved upon or is it just sort of each entity can do what they think is best and and that's what you get at the pump there are some standards and 
we, as an as an oil and additive company, wish the standards were a little higher. Uh, but here in America, we actually have some relatively low standards that the fuel companies need to meet. But when we're evaluating fuel, uh, there's basically five different categories that we look at that can really judge um, where a fuel can, can shine or look bad. Uh, one is the cetane level. One is the lubricity level. And then, of course, if there is water in that fuel or how old that fuel is are two other aspects. And then, of course, this time of year in the cold climates, we look at uh, the wax level. So not all of those have regulations and standards, uh, but some do. For example, the cetane level, that is something that's regulated. I believe the, the minimum cetane regulation for the United States is 40. And through all of our testing we've done, we compiled our data over three years of testing across the nation, and everything that we have averaged is between 42 and 45. So you can expect about a 42 to 45-point cetane um, in the fuel you're getting, which even a three-point variance is pretty high. Now, there are some uh, exceptions to that rule. For example, in California, they have some higher uh, uh, you know, requirements. Uh, they, they, they have some more bio in their fuel, so they have a 50 cetane minimum. So the fuel there in California definitely has a better cetane uh, rating to it. Uh, the other thing that they have a regulation on is the lubricity level. And I believe last time I was on with you, we, we, we had a talk about the CP4 pumps yeah. and how they uh, you know, can, can fail with the lack of lubricity in the fuel, and we're seeing that a lot. Um, and one of the things we touched on was that the American standard is a 520 micron wear scar, which is pretty dry fuel. Whereas the European standard is a 460 micron, uh, which is much more uh, lubricity in the fuel. And ironically, the EMA, the Engine Manufacturers Association here in America, actually agrees with Europe that 460 is really where we need to be at. So there are some standards, and these are some of the things we look at when we're judging fuel quality. Uh, but we also like to say we we like to see fuel much higher than what the lowest standard is out there. It's it's such a broad topic because it applies to really any any year range of trucks. So it's not just something that you know trucks with that have CP4 injection pumps need to pay attention to. It's also you know with water and fuel, the age, wax, things like that. Where if you got a 12 valve or a first gen or a you know 7.3 IDI or something like that, it's going to affect your truck. And I think that's why there's so much attention and interest in, in these sort of topics is to understand more of of the issues that can be presented with the fuel and then also what you can do to try to alleviate or prevent issues. So I wanted to have you explain a little bit more about some of the issues that can happen, say water and fuel or the wax level, um, that what that can do to a just a, a fuel system. Sure, absolutely. I, I was actually just listening to one of your recent podcasts. Uh, you had Dorian Rayna on there from PowerStroke Ingenuities, and and uh, uh, he gave us a nice shout-out. I appreciate it. We work closely with him. But he had mentioned that uh, the fuel station right down the street from him, uh, he was having some problems with customers leaving his shop there, fueling up, and not even making it to the highway, and they found that they were getting a lot of water in the fuel there. Yeah. So, you know, these problems are out there. And, of course, those trucks weren't making it to the highway. Once that water uh, went past, and as we know how the high-pressure systems that we deal with on the fuel side, 
uh, when you get condensed water like that, you can even blow the tips off your injectors. So it's it's awfully dangerous to not be able to get that water out of there. And we see this a lot. Um, as I mentioned, water is one of the five things we look at. And 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 you also touched on uh, older older fuel. Uh, we see this those two kind of work in tandem quite a bit too. So that's usually the fuel station that does not see a lot of high traffic. They may have had the fuel there in the tank for quite a while. They don't top off their their tanks all the you know their underground tanks all that often uh, because they don't go through that much fuel. Well they'll see a lot of condensation in those tanks, especially this time of year when the weather's changing and we're seeing different climates. Just like the condensation you see on your, your, your beer bottle, you're going to get the same thing on the inside of uh, those storage tanks, and that adds water to the fuel there. Um, it's uh, uh, The same thing goes with that type of tank that's been sitting there a while. What a lot of people don't know is that diesel fuel goes bad very quickly. It's it's not a very stable fuel from the standpoint of we have testing that shows oxidation starting in, in sitting diesel fuel as soon as 30 days. So uh, there are people that, you know, don't drive their trucks that much that have the same fuel in there for longer than 30 days, let alone an underground, you know, tank at a gas station that doesn't go through that much diesel fuel, um, you're, you're really hoping that there's some stabilizer in that fuel to prevent the oxidation, and then some sort of, uh, you know, water dispersant that can uh, separate the water from, from the fuel. If it's, a, if it's a tank that's been sitting there a while and collecting all this bad stuff that we don't want in our trucks. The, now, with the the options that a truck owner has out there, you know, they, they might not know the history of that particular fuel station. Maybe they do. There's some, there's some uh, truck owners have had where they fuel up at the same place every time that they can, or if they do a certain route, you know, between States, they, they, they fuel up there. But if, if that's not something you can do, what kind of products or options do you guys have for diesel truck owners out there to alleviate some of these issues, whether it's with cetane or lubricity or water dispersion? Well, you know, like I always tell everybody, it's at the very least, it's good insurance. And you can always hope you're getting great fuel. At, at the very worst, we're going to improve that fuel um, with good additive. But, you know, let's, let's knock each one of these out one at a time here. So when you're looking at the cetane level, um, and to touch on a, a point you just made a minute ago, too, about the difference in trucks, uh, if you're talking about an older truck, they were built and tuned for basically a lower cetane level than what we expect today. So uh, they really tried to factory tune these trucks around a 50 cetane uh, level. So if you're not getting that, that high of cetane fuel in the truck, you're really not meeting optimum performance of how the truck was built. Uh, so that's, a, that's one important thing. And then also the, when we look at the lubricity level, if, you're, if you've got an old truck, maybe older than the days when we had this ultra-low sulfur diesel right now that's very dry. Well, back then, they had high lubricity in, in, in the fuel, so they didn't even know any better to build the system differently. So if you've got an older truck, it expects to have a lot of lubricity in the fuel because that's what they had back then. So what we try to do is 
really create a premium diesel fuel that does two things. Number one, it's treating the poor fuel quality that we have at the pump. And number two, it's protecting the truck's, you know, expensive fuel system at the same time. Now, that variance that we're talking about is kind of all over the chart as to what kind of fuel you're getting. Um, and so, like I said, I, I hope you're getting good fuel. I hope you have a, a station near you that, that provides really good fuel. And that's what we hear a lot of times when people say, well, I don't use an additive and I don't need one. I've never had a problem. Well, fortunately, you may just be getting some really good fuel, and I wish everybody could. Um, other people that have problems right out of the gate often are in an area that just does not get good fuel. But the short measure is to protect your investment with a good additive. And what we do with our fuel additive lineup, uh, our main two fuel additives is our diesel extreme and our everyday diesel treatment. And as we've always been a problem-solving company, we developed these products to be very problem-specific to really all the points that we kind of touched on already today. Uh, rather than offering out 10 different products that do 10 different things, we, we try to fully formulate everything into one bottle. So for both those products, Diesel Extreme and Everyday Diesel Treatment, they both have a cetane booster in them. Um, they're both a six-in-one product. The first thing you see is a cetane booster. It's going to raise your cetane level from four to seven points, depending on the dosage that you use. So as we know that the average in America, like I mentioned, is 42 to 45, well, this, is a, this can get you up to that 50 cetane optimal level we want to look at. Now, if you're unfortunate and you're at a place that has at the bare minimum regulation of 40, at least we can move that 40 up to a 44 or 47 and uh, give you a better cetane level for that. So that's one aspect. Uh, I'm not going to dive too deep into lubricity because I know we covered it a lot last time, but the the main thing with lubricity level is getting that wear scar uh, down to protect your system. Whether you have a CP4 or not, your whole fuel system is going to be protected with uh, the lubricity that they find in the fuel itself. That's the only place that's getting any protection. So the more lubricity we can add to the fuel, um, the better protection and longevity you're going to get out of your fuel system. So all of our Diesel Extreme and our uh, EDT both uh, will get you within that 460 micron spec, uh, that's the Euro spec and the Engine Manufacturers Association spec. So if you have the poorest, which the, the 520 level is what the government regulates, um, the poorest fuel available, the driest, uh, one dose will still get you within the, the protective spec. So that's, that's a good thing, knocking out those first two cetane and lubricities. Uh, and then, like I mentioned, when we talked about the water and just the older fuel, we put a stabilizer in there. Our stabilizer in both those products will stabilize any tank of fuel uh, well over a year. So you're going from about 30 days to the point of oxidation starting to stabilizing the fuel for use for over a year. We see this a lot with our agriculture that we work with on bulk tanks and everything, but it's the same thing for your everyday truck driver, too, if... Uh, um, they're not driving as much in this time of year, or we know a lot of people aren't driving as much since the COVID stuff started. So it's good to have a, a good stabilizer in there as well. And as far as the water, if you do pick up some water, like uh, you know, I mentioned that Dorian touched on, there's your, just like those bulk tanks underground where they're storing the fuel at the at the fuel stations your tank on your truck is going to condensate as well this time of year. So as the temperature changes, 
you're going to get moisture buildup inside the tank. And we want that we want that moisture to get to your water separator and uh, get out of the fuel. So uh, we add a water dispersant to our fuel additives that will uh, actually make all of the moisture that you find in the fuel fall out of solution. And that way it falls to the bottom of the tank and where your water separator can actually pick it up and remove it before um, and allow the fuel to pass through. Now what we tied into that water separator is also a rust and corrosion inhibitor because we were thinking ahead and saying, okay, well, if we're going to get all the water to the bottom of the tank, we want to protect anything where that water is sitting because obviously water is the fuel, or, or a bad term there, is the food for corrosion to start. So uh, we add a really robust uh, rust and corrosion inhibitor to treat everything, the tank, pump, lines, injectors, everything from uh, any water it may come in contact with to prevent any rust. So in general, what we try to do is target each one of those areas and develop in our formula something that can address each problem um, at a cost-effective solution. So by formulating it all in one product, we're actually able to uh, put a product out there that you can use that can protect the system and actually give you a performance gain, which performance can either be power or MPG, to the way you use the pedal. So uh, it's often a product that can pay for itself by picking up some miles per gallon. And, and the only difference between those two products, our Diesel Extreme and our EDT, I know we get this question a lot, is that our Diesel Extreme has just a ton of injector cleaner in there. We really crank up the fuel system cleaner in it, and we recommend using that product once every 6,000 miles or so. Uh, and then you can switch over and use the everyday diesel treatment in every tank, which is more of a balanced uh, formula to keep the system clean um, over the long haul. I was going to ask about the, the everyday, the everyday diesel treatment. As far as being able to use it on, you know, say a twenty twenty-five year old truck and a brand new one, it seems like it would fit either either end of the spectrum. So if you got two trucks, you got a 94 Dodge and a, a 2020, you could use the same product on either truck and just streamline the, the treatment process. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And that goes back to how I mentioned an older truck that might be used to having a, a high lubricity fuel. Um, well, the EDT is going to have you covered on that um, as well as the new trucks that at least the new trucks are now built knowing that the ultra low sulfur diesel is out there. So they're a little more prepared for the dry fuel, um, but yeah, you could split the bottle between between both trucks and uh, and, and protect both of them. And I and I should mention that it is the season right now uh, with the cold weather. I know here in Ohio we're we're getting hammered this time of year. So uh, another fuel additive we have is our diesel winter anti gel, and that. I, that product also gets confused often because some people think it's just an anti-gel that they, you know, might need a top treat during the winter. But that actually is our everyday diesel treatment plus anti-gel. So that's a seven-in-one product. So everything I just mentioned, the cetane, the lubricity, the water dispersant, the rust and corrosion inhibitor, the fuel stabilizer, it's all in there. What we add to it is the anti-gel. And that's what gets really interesting, and if you and if you talk about the differences in fuel quality, pump to pump, we kind of mentioned earlier how the cetane ratings can differ across the country and even across the street. Well, something I hear often is people saying, "Well, 
I live in the north, so I don't need an anti-gel because my, you know, the fuel up here is treated. It's northern fuel. They treat it in the wintertime uh, with anti-gel versus down in the south where they don't really get cold enough. Um, they don't have to worry about having an anti-gel in the fuel. Well, there's some truth to that to some extent. Um, the ones we really worry about are maybe truckers heading north with southern fuel getting into that northern climate, you know, and that southern fuel being completely untreated. They're very vulnerable. But what people don't know in the north uh, where it's cold is just like the cetane levels, the what we call the cold flow properties of, of, of the fuel completely differ from pump to pump. And um, I'll touch on that a little bit. So, so as a lot of people know, diesel fuel is full of wax. And when wax is, think about wax being, when it's melted and warm and runny, it's all good. So we don't have to worry about it in a warm climate. But as it gets cold, that wax starts to solidify. And there's a few ways that we measure this, and this is what we do a lot of testing on and test for. Uh, the, the first thing you're going to look at, you're going to see, is what we call uh, the CFPP, which is the cold filter plugging point. And that's simply, uh, the best way to explain it is as, as your, your fuel starts to cool, all that wax in the fuel starts to come out of solution. It starts to, it starts to solidify. And it's very sticky. It's like these sticky little bits of wax, and they start to stick each other and start to build up larger and larger, um, kind of like a snowball, kind of, kind of running into itself and starting to grow larger and larger. As they're small sticky bits, they can still pass through your fuel filter and warm up and burn right through um, your lines and your injectors, no problem. And then what happens is you get the return warm fuel coming back to the tank, which then starts to melt everything back down into a liquid form, and you're all good. The problem occurs when you hear about people gelling up is all those sticky bits start to build up into, and they start to fall to the bottom of the tank, and then you go for that cold start in a cold climate, and a chunk of that, I mean, it's almost like a goo when it hits your, uh, your fuel filters. If you've ever seen a gelled fuel filter, and it will coat that filter to the point where it won't allow fuel to pass anymore. And there you are, stuck on the side of the road or in your driveway. And that's really step one of you officially gelling up, um, not allowing fuel to flow to, to the engine there. Uh, and to give you an example, our anti-gel, um, in our diesel winter anti-gel, will lower the cold filter uh plugging point by uh, by 25 degrees. So I'm looking right now at some of our cold flow data on some fuel that we've tested across the nation. And this is just the Midwest, so I'm looking at Indiana, uh, Pennsylvania, New York, Wisconsin, Michigan, New Jersey, um, a bunch of stations, uh, you know, in this area. And I'll just read you some of the cold filter plugging points. Negative uh, 13, negative 23, positive 10, positive 2, positive 7, negative 23, negative 18. So what that's saying is they've treated this fuel, that's the fuel coming out of the pump, so that it will not start to get to the level to plug your filter until negative 13 or negative 23. But yet a station across the street 
it only treat, is treated down to 10 degrees. So once you yeah. get 10 degrees, you can actually start to plug that up. So it, it, just like the cetane varies, the, the jobbers that are treating what we think is cold weather diesel fuel, uh, it is treated differently, and it's a crapshoot on what you get. And if that temperature drops below what that fuel's rated for, it's going to start gelling up. And, and one step past that is what we call the pour point. And the pour point is literally what you think it is. It's the point at which if you have a cup of diesel fuel and you turn it to the side and it's, not, it's so frozen it won't pour anymore. And that's a much lower point. Um, and that's when you start to freeze your entire tank. So even if your filter's plugged, you might look down in your tank and see that, oh, my fuel's not gelled. Well, yeah, it is gelled down there at the bottom and it gelled your, your filter. However, the actual pour point uh, our, our diesel winter anti gel will protect uh, that fuel all the way down to negative 65 degrees. So it's got to get pretty darn cold before it uh, starts to gel the fuel if treated properly. But same thing I see on the uh, data testing we have. We have, uh, we have variants of 40 degrees from, from different pump to pump. So you never really know what you're getting, so it's good to have something in there to protect your investment. That's really the thing I'm taking from this is there's so there there can be so much variance and and a great example of that was with the different temperatures that you'd mentioned between different states and and I see that a lot with people I know or just things I'll see on social media with with uh, people who have their their fuel gel is it's just it's so random and I think with these additives that's where you can really avoid the randomness and especially when you know using this truck for work or you're hauling something or going on a trip that's a lot of risk it could potentially be a lot of risk and a lot of money and in in comparing that to you know the investment of uh, of running one of these products is you can just eliminate so much and i think that's what we want is is diesel truck owners is that's why we bought the trucks, you know, to start with is we want the torque, we want the reliability, we want the miles we can put on them, we want all the features. And so we don't like the idea of, hey, I go fuel up at this one station and it's nine degrees and the fuel starts to gel up at 10 and now now I'm in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, I know, obviously, with the, the gelling issue, you know, it's not necessarily too harmful to the truck per se depending on the situation but it's downtime it's time consuming you're gonna to have to get a tow they're gonna to have to thaw your whole system and then you're kind of good to go uh, but again that insurance from that downtime and the cost of a tow and all that is, is quite a bit and so if you're going to go ahead and treat the fuel for that uh, peace of mind um, all these other troublesome spots that we tackle are well worth it obviously the cetane is going to give you better performance but the lubricity, that's something that's very risky, as we talked about with the CP4 pump and protecting the fuel system. That can be a costly um, issue as well as, like I told you, the problems you can happen with uh, an old fuel or fuel with water in it too. So the, the peace of mind, the insurance for the cost per dosage is just, you know, tremendous. And, and I know with our everyday diesel treatment, I think that product retails for even at the smallest size of, you know, like a 16-ounce bottles. I think $18. So you're talking about a dollar an ounce or so, and uh, that's 25 gallons. So you're not really, uh, you know, for a dollar treatment on a 25, you know, gallon fuel cell, um, I'll take that insurance all day long versus the cost of a new fuel system. 
the way it all ties together as well with not just not just gelling up, but then also the lubricity and the other talk we had about CP4 pumps and and just how quickly things can turn into expensive repairs is is important. And and one of the things that I wanted to, to touch on, and I know this could be a whole podcast in itself, but testing and why that's so important because you know when you were going through the testing that you guys have done throughout the country, I think that's incredibly important. We're talking about any product or, or anything really, but having the data to be able to say, this is what we're seeing across the country, across these regions. This is why it's important to be able to use this product or use this additive, or this is what you could face out there. Really, I think helps make sense to our listeners or, or people who are, are watching, you know, the, the Facebook lives that you guys do or are listening on radio is just that the data is there to show what, sh- what you could potentially face, and this is ways you can avoid the problem. So I wanted to ask you guys about the emphasis on testing and data that you guys have, not just to make these products, to, but also to be able to explain to truck owners out there, this is what you, you could face in ways that we can help. Well, you nailed it, Patrick, and, and that's really kind of how we've, we've built this company uh, from the beginning as always being a problem-solving company. And we're very conscious that uh, the additive market has had a bad name, you know, and there's a, and rightfully so. There are some some poor quality products on the market, and there's a reason why there's been, uh, you know, snake oil eyes looking at this market for you know for a long time now. Um, we've positioned ourselves differently from the standpoint of, from day one. We, we 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 vowed we're never really going to make any commodity style product or anything like that. Like we're you're not going to find us making washer fluid or brake fluid or something like that. If we could really advance the science on a product, then that's what we take into R and D, and we start with the science right away. So we identify the problem, and that always leads with testing. Uh, fuel testing is actually very expensive. It's uh, oil testing is is not bad. Oil testing is pretty affordable, but Fuel testing is very expensive. It's a very tedious process, and a lot of companies don't want to do the testing because of the cost of it. But the testing allows us to do quite a few things, and and you you kind of touched upon it. Number one, it allows us to clearly identify the problem. And without having a a clearly identified problem to to target, uh, your your formulation in in R&D is kind of worthless. So uh, that kind of sets the standard for for the problem that we want to fix in formulating a product. And then then the testing comes back in on a second wave to start testing the for- formulas to measure the gain so that we can scientifically prove um, exactly how far we're moving the mark um, uh, with different types of additives. And as a little side note to that, in the world of tribology, two plus two doesn't always equal four. I, I often tell people it's, it's almost a lot of guessing because uh, what happens with the synergy between a couple different additives or chemicals, um, if you get close on one mix, you might think, oh, I just need to add a little bit more of chemical B. Well, every single time you do a different mix, you have a completely different result, and that's just part of chemistry and how things work. So it's a lot of guess and checking, which requires a lot of testing on the backside. So in the development process, we're probably testing more than we are when we identify the problem. Um, 
and, and and that allows us to really dial it in and find a solution. And then we go to like the third phase where the testing is then now involved in the marketing and education of the product and why it's needed. And you know, our our trade line here is is powered by science and the reason why is because we try to, like I said, we're conscious of the of the snake oil persona. So we are always trying to put our data out front. And uh, we love educating people on oil and fuel and, and additives and why they're needed, and not just why, but if you're interested and you want to sit down and, and dig into the tribology with our, with our scientists, like, we love it. You know, it's like the, the more we can educate people, the more uh, people can understand and the more protection we can have for these systems out there. Um, so that's, that testing comes in before, during, and after we've developed a product. And, uh, and then, then the proof comes uh, once we have that product out and on the market is the feedback we get. So now we get real-world feedback that, uh, you know, and obviously we work with a lot of the race teams. So we love to get this type of stuff in, in the race trucks because that gives us testing at the highest level and the most, uh, you know, peak performance that you can get. Um, so you know that if something can withstand, you know that type of uh, a beating that we that we see in some of these uh, performance trucks, well, you know it's going to be uh, well to do for your everyday driver in your uh, uh, in your driveway there too. So the testing for us is everything. It's the start. It's the middle. It's the finish. It's what we live by, and we 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 like to educate people on that, and we open up our science for everybody to. Uh, to, to learn and, and, and educate themselves so they get to know a little bit more about the, the their truck and, and why these products are needed. The education is, is really huge. I was just thinking when you were talking about the, the data and the science and then educating people is, now I'm here in Colorado, so I, I know what it's like when winter rolls around and you walk into like a, a retail auto parts store and all of a sudden, like the car washes and, and the waxes disappear from the front of the store and you start to see some of the, the winterizing stuff and you'll see, you know, anti-gels and other things like that. But I have, as a consumer, no connection to it. It's just a bottle on a display case. And what you guys do so well is, is the access to information, you know, whether it's you know, jumping on with us and, and, and having a, a chat like this or what you guys are doing on on Facebook and in other, in other ways with being able to present quality information. And one of the things I love is every week when you guys do videos is I'll, I'll hit play. I got it up on my phone and I'm listening to any number of great conversations, whether it's with a racer or whether it's about technical data. And so I wanted to, to, to definitely highlight and have you explain a little bit about what you guys do with weekly videos and maybe some things you have planned to be able to get more of that information and education out there. So people know about this before they ever buy a product or ever even, you know, ask a question about it. They've got some information to go off of. Right. Yeah, good question. And, and I can identify with what you said about walking in, uh, your your local parts store there, especially even in a cold climate, and seeing that product but not really identifying with it, or you're not not really understanding the explanation of uh, of it really being thoroughly explained. Uh, if I could take if I could take you or that guy that's standing right there and could pause time and say, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go outside. We're gonna test this fuel. We're gonna see where the cold filter plugging point is, where the cloud point is, where the pour point is. 
and you're going to know exactly the degree at which that fuel is going to gel by science. We'll show it scientifically. We'll show you the testing. We'll take it down to that degree and sh show you at that moment when it starts uh, to crystallize with all the wax inside. Now you know that your truck is going to deal with that at that particular temperature with that in there. Well, now then let me show you the testing on a treated fuel with our diesel winter anti gel and how we can bring the temperature down all the way to negative 45 and you'll see that it still has a pour point and it still can flow and everything. It, if I were able to do that in, in front of that display, I think a lot more people would, you know, understand the process and, and know why they need it. And so uh, it's just a difficult thing to do in our world uh, with advertising. It's hard to get that information across in a one-page ad. It's hard to get that information across in, um, you know, a radio ad or a, uh, television or, or anything like that. So we always try to do what we can to get as much of our science out there. What you mentioned is our, our Facebook Live uh, program. We do we do have a Facebook Facebook and YouTube Live um, every Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Uh, we've been doing it for a couple years now. We tend to cover, uh, we try to cover a product each each week just to kind of dive, just have something to talk about and have a, a product that we dive into. And, and like you said, we we just had Justin Ziegler on this past week. Sometimes we have guests, and he was telling us about, um, you know, some of his performance stuff and his builds going on. So we have guests, but really the the core of why we do it and why we started it uh, was to open our doors to have these conversations. So um, I'm often hosting it um, with Aaron, uh, who's one of our tribologists in our R&D, and uh, we have different people host it from time to time. But we go out there and, you know, put ourselves out there live on Facebook and YouTube, literally just open the doors and have people ask questions. And and that's something that's allowed us to get into those conversations and educate people and um, get a lot of our longer talk discussions across that we can't get across in a one-page advertisement or an in-store display that tries to explain cold filter plugging point, you know. So... Uh, it's kind of how uh, Chris, our, our founder, our owner, Chris Gabrelchek, has always kind of uh, really designed how we market our products is let's get to the customer and educate and answer their questions. So, um, yeah, I encourage your, your listeners, you know, if they um, to come check us out on a Thursday afternoon if they have any questions. And, and we don't we don't beat around the bush either. If 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 we don't have the answer, uh, if it's a if it's really scientific, it's over my head. It goes to Aaron, and, uh, and he's got to take it home for homework. And then we'll follow up with you after the show, or we'll bring bring that back the next week and get you an answer. So we don't always know every single answer right on the top, or um, but it allows us to uh, to answer those questions. And it's good product development. We have a lot of people that say, well, why don't you make something for this? And it's like, ooh, that's a problem we like. We can. We can fix that. It just happened randomly with um, our G56 transmission fluid that we just released. A couple of years ago, people were asking about it and the problems they were having, so that went into R&D from a Facebook Live show. And um, a year later, we got a product on the market now that was developed specifically to address that problem. So, yeah, we encourage everybody uh, to swing on by and see us on a Thursday afternoon and and bring their questions. That's what we're there for to answer them. It's a, it's a really powerful way to engage with with an audience and enthusiasts and I don't remember when I was asked but somebody asked me a long time ago well hey where did where did the idea or the inspiration come from to 
to do a weekly podcast and, and everything. And I remember being at, at trade shows or events or shy diesel extravaganza and, and being able to chat with owners of companies or racers and you're just sitting there and there's no, there's no crowd. You're just talking with them at a booth and you know, you're, you're asking you know, about a set of injectors or a turbo you should run. And somebody who designed this product and knows it in and out is telling you what they think. And that access to time is so hard. And it kind of relates back to that walking into a retail store is you can't have, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 30,000 people, uh, representatives being at these stores to talk to somebody about anti-gel or cetane levels or lubricity. But you can reach those people through the 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 videos that you guys are doing and it's it's so incredible to be able to hear the feedback and i remember one time somebody asked me well aren't you going to run out of topics to talk about on a podcast and this was four years ago (laughs) yeah never i'm like no (laughs) well yeah we get the same thing like at least you have a wide wide sea of opportunity there we we are the challenge with the same thing. Oil and fuel. How long is that going to go? It's like, well, we're still going, and we still get new questions and and uh, you know new opportunities every single week. And one thing that we invested in this year as well, I'll mention is uh, uh, we have what we what we call our education department. So we have a whole department now that is dedicated to putting together how-to and educational videos that uh, we're slowly releasing them out. We have a series called Fuel Your Mind, and it's really designed what we found is a lot of people, and you know what, I noticed uh, the podcast I listened to, Dorian kind of mentioned it too, about how a lot of people sell these diesel trucks to people but never even tell them that they've got to, you know, drain their water separator or anything like that. They just send them off and go in. So, but yet people are very knowledgeable that are looking to get bigger injectors or increase their turbo and, and so forth. So we actually start with the basics of diesel with these uh, Fuel Your Mind. And it's a really a how-to and a step-by-step educational guide to the world of diesel. And the whole goal of it is to educate people. Um, and as we ramp up the series, it we have some very highly technical stuff coming, but... Uh, there's something there for everybody from the high performance expert all the way to, I just bought my first diesel truck. What did I get myself into? Well, we, we break it down for you. And, uh, that's something we're investing a, a lot of time in. Um, it's getting a lot of that new video production coming out. And I'll mention one other quick side story. Uh, we actually just, uh, sponsored a new radio program that we just launched, uh, at the beginning of the year here. It's uh, the Steve Summers Overnight Drive. Right now, it's uh, you can hear it on Hot Shot Secret Facebook and YouTube page, as well as the Overnight Drive Facebook and YouTube page. We're we're about to uh, uh, send that out larger through podcasts and terrestrial radio. It's coming. But the story behind that was actually that Chris, our 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 founder, our owner, uh, man, 20 years ago when he was starting a company and was just getting off the ground and was mixing up stuff in a 55-gallon drum in a pole barn in his backyard. I mean, the guy's really the truly American American st- story, you know. Uh, but at the time, he was about to fold up shop. This is when he only had Stiction Eliminator as a one product. He had just worked with Ford on developing it, and they stopped making the 6.0s and 7.3s, and he was kind of left high and dry. And he was he was investing in radio ads on Steve Summer's show of, out of WLW in Cincinnati. And... It came time for to renew his contract, and he just didn't have the money. So um, it was about the end of Hot Shot Secret before Hot Shot Secret ever got off the ground. 
And he begged them, said, what if you just let me come on the studio and take some calls with truck drivers? Because this is an overnight trucking show. It's a talk show that just really deals with overnight truckers. So they said, all right, buddy, come on down. And so he drove down to Cincinnati. He was supposed to get 10 minutes on air. He ended up staying for five hours, taking questions from truckers all night long about you know fuel and oil and, and you name it. And uh, he literally left that morning, drove home to his wife and that had hundreds of orders waiting when they literally had like 12 bottles left in stock. It was the end of the business. And so um, that literally was the turning point of Hot Shot Secret, and like we've never turned back. And here we are, you know, 15, 20 years later, you know, as a 40,000-square-foot production facility and, and, and you name it. And uh, we just we just got word that we're now the fastest-growing lubricant company in America. So, like, things are going great. We're loving it. But he still remembers that day when that happened. Um, and recently, and that's why we have this partnership now, recently we had an opportunity to um, hire Steve Summers himself and start our own radio program. So now we're sponsoring it. We just built a studio in Cincinnati to cater to the overnight truckers and have Steve Summers on air. Uh, but it, we'll never forget that the core foundation of this company came when Chris opened himself up to – to speak with the common truck driver out there about the problems they're having, and very rarely do someone like that have access to ask a certified tribologist a question about an oil analysis. And just like you mentioned, you're talking to an injector expert or something, the owners of these companies. So that's always been a core foundation of how we've presented our products and built our company going forward to this day and even to this new expansion of the radio station and everything. It's really all about keeping our doors open to really get this knowledge out there. And we love when people, I mean, you, you want to talk oil and fuel and additives, you give us a call here. You'll get anybody on the phone that will talk to you for hours about it. We love the stuff. And the more we can educate people, the better. And we'll continue to do that because it seems to be working well for us. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really powerful story. I didn't know that. And, and when I was, when I was listening to, the story it it just it reminded me so much of you know because we're both chatting with truck owners and and people in the industry is just how important it is to be able to connect with the core the core base whether it's it's a listening audience or whether it's a a consumer or whoever it might be is they'll tell you exactly what they want to know they'll tell you the problems that they're facing they'll tell you the questions that they have and so i always have a I always have a blast chatting with, with somebody that uh, you know has a really cool build they did themselves, or somebody who started a company and grew it from, you know, something that was ready to close. Or sometimes they had to go through two or three different businesses to be able to figure out exactly what it was they wanted to do. I think people identify with that, and they definitely can connect with the product and then the the message as well. So that's that's really cool and. I learned a lot of new stuff on, on today's podcast that uh, that I didn't know, and it's always a pleasure to chat with you, Kyle, and, and uh, look forward to seeing more of these these Facebook live videos, and I'm definitely going to tune in to the, the radio show as well, and I'm a night owl, so it'll definitely kind of fit my schedule as well to be able to, to catch the new projects you guys got going on. Well, great. I appreciate uh, you having me on again, Patrick, and happy to come on whenever you want, and like I said, if, if uh, anybody wants to chat oil and and fuel, um, we're your guys. So uh, bring your problems to us, and it feeds uh, the next innovations that we have coming out. So we appreciate all the support out there.
Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and get entered to win that free diesel radiator from Mishimoto. Just go to Mishimoto.com forward slash radiator giveaway or go to the diesel podcast on Instagram. I've got a link in our bio. You can just click there and it's going to take you to the short form. Enter your information. The giveaway runs until February 28th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern, and one winner will be chosen after that. You'll be notified via email, and you can pick the diesel radiator that you'd like for your truck. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.